live A-C-U. from the ACU of Texas Studios. This is the Clear Lake Today Podcast Network. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to our new show called After the Startup. My name is Steve Rosenberg, and I'm joined with my good friends, James Morris and Doug Meisinger. And we are going to talk about what happens when you open your doors for business. Gentlemen, thanks for joining me today. Good morning, Steve. You bet, man. I'm looking forward to this. This is going to be fun. This is going to be good, man. This is going to be be a good show. So I think as the first show, uh, what I would like to do is why don't we just talk a little bit about kind of our background and and kind of why we are on the microphones and why we're Mm -hmm. talking and our history. Um, Doug, I'll let you go first because I know James's story and and James and I have a, a... quite a bit of a history path together, but uh, let's hear your story and, and why you're where you are today. Well, uh, yeah, I spent, I guess, the majority of my adult life in the record business. Okay. Uh, I worked for EMI, Capital Records. Do people records, know Virgin what records. records are? I guess that's the first. <laughs> well, the craziest thing, they're kind of coming back. There they was are this, coming back, you're there right. There was this weird little uh, yeah. gap where people didn't have a clue what they yes. were, and now it's just it's become trendy again, yep, which is right. the strangest thing. In fact, I actually wrote a blog on that very topic how um, when I was a kid, all the music I listened, I listened to it on vinyl. Right. And then I went from vinyl to cassettes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or no, I went from vinyl to eight tracks. Eight tracks. I guess. And then cassettes. You may have to explain. To you may have to have some disclaimers in here explaining what those things this, are. This is, you know, <laughs> if, if you, kids ask your parents about yes, this kind of exactly. stuff. Yes, exactly. Then to MP3s and then back to vinyl again. Yeah. And I think the reason it became popular again is it's, it's now your choice. When I was a kid, sure. that's just what you had to have. Right. right. Yeah. Well, now I have these other options, and a lot of people have these other options, and that's kind of what they seem to be, to be going toward. But um, that's where I spent the majority of of my you know career as an adult, and it's it's kind of a typical story. I I wound up getting divorced. I got custody of our son, and you just can't live that life, right? And raise a, a now, child because you're on the road all the time. Were you? Are you from Houston originally? Or? No, no. I was uh, originally. I'm from Illinois. Okay. Yeah, I was uh, born in Springfield, Illinois. My dad, Bart Simpson. That's the Homer's, right? Yeah. That. I was well, say. had they decided yeah. what Springfield no, that is I don't yet? Think, I don't think they have. I, I think I, yeah. I, I don't know. I don't know that. I think that's one of the gags there. Is it yes. Spring? But nobody really knows which Springfield it Correct. is yet. Correct. Um, but no, my my dad was uh, my dad actually who who just uh, passed away this past Halloween. Uh, he was he was in the insurance business. Uh, did very well. Very successful man. And he just had one winter too many. Mm-hmm. And he took off for like a month. He spent two weeks in Florida. He spent two weeks in Texas. He came back, had bought a house in Texas. So we're moving. And, and yeah, and you know, this is, gosh, this was 1978. And that's, I think that's kind of how things were back then. You sure. just came home and said, we're moving. There was no discussion. Um, you didn't touch on feelings. There was no feelings. No. And now I'm feeling uncomfortable. Mm. Or there, there was no vote. Therapy. Right. It's like, get in your car. Yeah. Car yeah. started. Get your stuff pretty, in. We're going. Pretty much. Say goodbye to your friends. Say goodbye to your family. We're, yeah. go, we're going to Texas. Um, and we moved to Fort Worth. Okay. And, um, you know, that's, I, technically, I guess that's where I grew up because I was 10 when we moved. Um, and then wound up, you know, you bounce around. You, nobody, you find yourself in the record business. It's one of those weird things. Uh-huh. It just, it's, it's, you just find yourself there. And they're who moved me down here. And right after I moved down here, I'll put it this way. I had just moved to Houston. My phone hadn't been connected yet. And there was a 26% layoff of the global staff. Whoa. And of my entire region, I was one of four that survived it. 
Uh, I remember wow. getting the call on my cell. And we all knew it was coming, but right. EMI is a British company, so this was happening in the middle of the night, and then we were going to all find out when we wake up. And uh, I got the call, and you know, just I'm like, hello, and the first words, okay, you're good. So it's like, all right. And I said, who's gone? And he said, it's a much shorter conversation if, you, if I tell you who's still Do here. Do it the flip side, wow. yeah. And so, every, but everybody else was gone. And so, you know, you kind of, you know, decide you're going you're gonna to be the guy down here. Because I think at that point, there were three people in Houston, and it went to just me. And so, stayed in the record business for a long time. I got divorced. I got custody. It was, it was time to go. Um, and I had a pretty decent, um, you know, package when it was, when it was time to go. And, but I was trying to figure out what to do. But one of the things I wanted to do was be home. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it, after a while, you're gone all the time. Right. Uh, I wanted to do something that was home. And I realized all I really knew at this point was advertising. Because people weren't buying records anymore, but I was right. sure booking ads in every little music publication. Okay. Um, and, and so I decided I was going to focus online because, you know, now, I could just look out of back. Curious, what year is this that this was going oh, on? Oh, this is you... 2007, maybe. Okay, got it. And um, I remember looking. So, okay, all I really know is advertising. But I booked everything. I booked, you know, cable, you know, radio. I did mm-hmm. all this kind of thing. And I realized whenever I did something that was digital and online... I received a proof of performance after. What does that mean? Um, I could tell me this is how many people saw it. This it. is how many people acted on it mm-hmm. from a call to action, from a click, whatever. I couldn't get that from anything else. All right. The media. You know, yeah. For, you know, you know, print. Well, we, we, we print and distribute, you know, 30,000 copies. Well, what does that tell me? I have no idea how many people saw it. Right. And then they'll always tell you with print, oh, but but each one was seen by eight different people. We right. have no idea whether it's like a or not that's true. So, yeah, so, it's, so it's, take me just a step back before you get too far. So when you say, the operator coming out yeah, of the uh-oh, uh-oh. Well, just, just to add some clarity. So when you say you're in the record business, uh-huh. are, you, are you dealing with artists? Are you dealing with retail, vinyl? Mostly di- retail, but artists as well. As, as the business shrank, uh, you know, you became kind of the point person for a lot of, so people, well, what did you do? That's it, it's, it's just, it, it's everything. I, 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 I took, you know, I took famous artists to go do their laundry at 2 a.m. because the bus won't get into the laundromat and they need mm-hmm. to wash their clothes to, you know, backstage meet and greets to, I was the one that shipped. If, you know, for the most part, if you bought, uh, if you bought Beatles one anywhere in Houston, the people you bought it from bought it from me. Okay. So that's kind of how it works. So, you know, you had the direct accounts that would deal directly with me. And then the smaller mom and pops would deal with a one-stop where we would sell it to a one-stop and then the one-stop would sell it to the smaller independent retailer. That all kind of went away. You know, it, it's, you still have, but you know, now you're dealing with just major accounts such right. as Target. So you were kind like of that. a, you were basically the liaison for, for, yeah, I was, well, I, yeah, I was the guy that sold you the record. Right. Okay. So, uh, you know, we would put things on deal. Uh, you know, it's like the Grammys. The Grammys were one of those things. I don't, I, I do not watch the Grammys anymore. I don't have to, but mm-hmm. I used to have to because, you know, if you had an artist win, oh, it's going on deal. And you've got to immediately check the stock levels of all the best buys oh, wow. in the area. You know, if we've got a new band coming out and the bass player went to a high school in St. Louis, I got to make sure we're beefed up in St. Louis because all of that kids, sure. all the guys that went to high school with that kid are going to, so you had to know, yeah. I mean, there, it was, it was a very it detailed very micro. It really does. It, and, and it's, it's weird because it, music, unlike anything else, it's emotional for people. I mean, it really is. It's, it's, 
there's certain songs that you can listen to and will immediately take you back. Absolutely. Right. You are right there in that moment. And there's really nothing else quite like that. True. Yeah, you know, an old movie, you can get a little nostalgia, but it doesn't immediately make me feel 16 years old behind right. the wheel of my car again. Summertime, knowing where you were, what That's happened, it. and you're singing the songs, you're singing mm-hmm. all the words oh, yeah. that you haven't heard in maybe 20 years. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds, sounds like my Stevie Wonder songs in the key of life, right? Yes. Every time it comes yeah. on, it's yeah. Just, yeah. it just does it for absolutely. you. Absolutely. For me, it's a Golden Lady off Intervision. Oh, absolutely. that's that song, incredible. I, I should, I mean, the room could catch on fire, and I'm going to wait until that song is done before I run out of it. So it's just it's just that's certain cool. things. Music, music really connects with people. But, um, you know, as I got out, I realized that really at the end there, you just became an advertising guy. I was just a, a buyer of advertising. Right. Because that's what you would have to do if you wanted, um, I mean, just, this is how it worked. If you wanted an account to bring in so many units of a certain record, you had to buy into an ad program. And you spend this much on the ad program, and as a part of that deal, they will bring in so many units of that record. So if you, if you had a, an order come in light, you bought an ad. And so I kind of realized this is all I really have been doing with with my life for the last several years is buying ads what worked what didn't and i started man print was just you, you never know maybe it's effective maybe it isn't right. um tv and radio very effective very expensive and so you really kind of got the most bang for your buck uh in digital uh-huh. and so when i started kind of looking for a job i would go to google and i would just put um at first, I was being very picky, so I would type in, you know, um, digital advertising jobs, Kima. <laughs> in a certain block, in a, in a certain, certain radius. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and as you start to think, yeah, I really yeah. kind of need to get a job, you start to increase start that little thing, that you know, Clear Lake, uh, South Houston, yeah. Houston. You Texas. kind of start to, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and uh, I stumbled uh, upon this company called Bayou City Media, which has since changed its name to Digital Texas. And they had a, a site called Woodlands Online, and I think at that time it was doing about five million page views a month, and doing very well. And it was just straight up digital advertising. And I thought this is kind of right in my wheelhouse. And they were ready to launch one in Clear Lake, and so I came on board. This is 2010, I guess that uh, that I came on board with them, and uh, been doing it ever since. I, I, I kind of backburnered it for a while while I, I got into a radio. Um, business that um, that'll be another show down the, yeah, yeah. <laughs> down, down the road um, but the thing is is well, you know when you when you start another business there, there's kind of an upside to being the guy that actually did everything and, right. and did all stuff because I was able to just say well I know how to do this you're taking your experience you with take you the and experience, you're adding that on adding it on you, just, adding it you on. move on and, and there's certain things that's like you know one of the struggles that I had with it I would not have thought this would have been the, this difficult is getting an app built Right, getting an app built, and we hired a fantastic company. They were great to work with, but there's a very difficult needle to thread, and that is getting Apple to accept a music player that's not theirs. Mm. Hmm. Interesting. You know, Apple. If you're going to consume music on Apple, they want you doing it through iTunes, right. through their radio, through everything. So it's it's and a great company. They worked on it for a long time, uh, and they basically came back and said, you know, we give up. We got really? you on Google Play. We got right. you there, like you know, that was done on the quick. Spotify, but they or iHeart, and all those. Well, for an app, that oh. that's not that's right, not right. that difficult. Yeah. Yeah. But an app to get Apple to accept an app and put it in their store, 
And they came back and they said no. And I realized early on this whole concept of uh, online radio, it only works with an app. Right. Okay. Some people will type in, you know, clearlakeradio.com and hit, but the majority of people want to pick up their phone and go boom and it's right. playing. They want right. the easy button. They want yeah. the easy button. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so I, I, you know, and I spent about a day maybe just really kicking the dirt. I was so, I was depressed. I, was, I couldn't believe it. And then I just, yeah, you've got to pull yourself out of that. Right. And it's, it's, you know, and it's easy to fall into that, Sure, but you have to force your way out of it. And I remember thinking to myself, everybody that knows how to do this at one point had no idea. Right. Okay. And that's where working. I am right now. And so if they could do it, right, I can do it. Absolutely. Yeah. So I just started reading articles, watching videos, uh, checking out different platforms, all this, these different things. Uh, I wound up becoming a Google certified app developer. I wound up becoming an Apple certified app developer, and I have no idea what I'm doing. Um, and yet, I was able to get four apps published. Nice. Wow, nice on on both. And so it was like, okay, so I f- this is how you do it. This is how it works. Um, I published an app for for Clear Lake Radio and Clear Lake Today that is way more encompassing than everything else I did before because this app now uh, has the benefit of having the business directory of Clear Lake Today, the events calendar of Clear Lake Today, the blogs. Mm-hmm. The ever- so it really is a nice event, uh, a nice little um, app for everything that's going on in the area. Plus, you can access a radio station and you can access all of the podcasts we do. So it, it sounds to me, and for the listeners who, who don't know you, your, your forte just from this conversation mm-hmm. is marketing, yes. sales and marketing. Mm-hmm. But there's another side to you on the political side oh, that, yeah. that you do you do stuff as well. So you, yeah. and, and I, the reason I say that is, I think it's important for people to understand that you're multi-dimensional. You, you've got different specialties that you do that, that would probably help you they um, do. in the business sense from, from just a, from a cursory high, higher level perspective. That's true, and it is uh, that was intentional. Mm-hmm. It was one of those things that you had to do, and it's interesting you bring that up. I just filed to run for re-election last night. You did, yes. After just telling everybody, oh, one term and I'm done. One so, term what position do you hold now? I um, I actually so I'm I'm position three on the city of Kima's economic development board, and my elected office is a county office. I'm director of Galveston County's Twelfth Water Authority. Got it. And this particular one oversees the fire department. Okay. EMTs and things like that. Um, I got, you know, I'm one of those people, I'm, I'm not so politically motivated, right. but if there's something that just doesn't seem right and and I think I could contribute to fixing sure, that, sure. I'll, I'll go ahead and, 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 and volunteer for it. It's like right. I said, look, I, I will do the job, but I won't ask for the job. Right. Uh, sure. I'm not a campaigner, so to speak. Um, I, I did half the number of signs everybody else did. Uh, I just didn't, you know, it wasn't that because I, I know what's involved in it. You know, no is always the easiest answer. Sure. You say no, you don't have to do anything. Right. But when you say yes, that's when the work begins. And so there were some there were some things that we were wanting to accomplish that had to do with um, the contract. I mean, just without getting into all to the minutiae, right. but, but but how someone can be transported to a hospital via ambulance and where that ambulance a lot of has logistics, to come from, which is your specialty, right, obviously. Right. Yeah, yeah, a lot of logistics in that. And for me, it's like, well, we have an ambulance right there. Right. But the nearest ambulance that can transport someone to the hospital. Oh, no, that's not their contract. The they don't have that contract. A, you know, and, yeah. right. and that's a contract that I'm quite comfortable with going away. Right. Sure. And um, so there were things like that, expanding our water capacity. So there were certain things so, that I agreed And, and so there's do. a, if, you know, 
just to kind of sum it up, it's like, you, you know, the marketing side, you've, you've, mm -hmm. you've lived that. Now you're kind of learning the, the political side, if you will, but also how that business runs how that and, and runs. dealing with contractors and vendors and everything. And, and you know, everything that goes along on that side as well. Yeah, I, you know, I, I tell people, one of the hardest things to do in business is become someone that people will return your call. Yeah. And so uh, that's why, you know, I started getting involved in, in, in the Chamber of Commerce. Um, just started to get more involved there, and then I got elected to the board of directors, and then I got elected to as an executive officer mm -hmm. there. Um, just other boards and committees that I person serve of on. influence. You you and you have to do that. Yeah. As much as I would let you know, because I've seen what happens. You cannot just sit in your office by yourself and just expect that people are just going to come showing up. Well, you right. have to be out. Doing it's things. it's the old saying: if you do what's easy, your life is hard. Yes. If you do what's hard, your yeah. life becomes easy, mm -hmm. you know, in certain, certain respects. So, all right. Well, Mr. Morris, Mr. James Morris. I'll know, I'll know to go first next time. That's a, that's a great story. <laughs> I'm kind of nervous going last here. Uh, Holy moly. Well, James, so James and I, I don't know if you know this, we've known each other for maybe four, 16, 16 years. years. Yeah. Wow. And uh, he and I have a, have a history of doing some real estate together. Mm -hmm. uh, we did a lot of transactions. I actually bought his house from him and flipped it. Um, and then he so in return, I bought two houses. So from he him. bought back for me. <laughs> yeah. So uh, yeah. we we had a great great synergistic relationship, and I showed him how I was doing flipping and stuff mm -hmm. in real estate. Um, and this guy is uh, so much respect for him. He's just uh, just amazing. The things that this guy has done is is, is awesome. And I'll, I'll let you kind of tell the story of of who you are and what you've done. All right. Well, well, thanks, Steve. Yeah. Uh, again, great to be here and yeah. hanging out with a couple of guys yeah, I man. can learn something from. So that's good stuff. So myself, I started, um, you know, grew up and my whole life I said, hey, I want to be in the National Football League. That's the dream. Mm -hmm. That's the goal. And so everything I did was was geared towards that. And and I quickly began to realize as, as you play at different levels that, you know, that may not have been in the cards for me. So sure. played as long as I could. But at some point um, had an 18 month old son and I needed a job uh, who's now uh, 26. Yeah. So um Took a job out at Compaq in Houston, you know, out in Tomball 249, and uh, was miserable. Third shift uh, production operator making $7.56 an hour. Wow. And thinking, I'll do this until I get an opportunity to play or do something else, but mm -hmm. hated this the job. Is it interim? This is, yeah, this yeah. A, this is the in between. Just, yeah. I'll just be here, yeah. here for a minute. And six months later, somebody said, Hey, man, I see you're working hard, and, you know, how about being a lead? Hey, okay, I'll take a lead job, a few more pennies, sure. right? And somebody says, hey, you want to learn how to drive a forklift? Oh, yeah, I'll learn how to drive a forklift and made a few more dollars. Hey, we need somebody in quality. So before you know it, you know, I'd done, you know, four or five different jobs. I'd been promoted um, about every six to nine months for five years. And before you know it, I'm running an area. I've got 50 or 60 people working for me. And um, this is kind of pre-HP. And one day my boss comes to me and says, hey, we're outsourcing the whole division you're responsible for, so you're probably gonna get laid off. I was like, oh man. So then the company that they were laying off, a company called Banta at the time, mm -hmm. uh, they give me a call and they says, hey, I understand you run this division, this area, you interested in the production supervisor job? I'm like, absolutely. And so uh, after five years at Compaq, I go to work for Banta, a great organization run out of Cork, Ireland. And I start as a shift supervisor and you know, nine months later, I'm a production manager and, 
you know, six months later, I'm the ops manager. And before you know it, I'm living in Ireland for 13 months and I'm traveling to California and I'm, you know, out in Dallas, Fort Worth, running a facility mm-hmm. right off of, I want to say, 121. Oh, yeah. 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 <laughs> running a facility out there. I'm doing startups, shutdowns, turnarounds. And about four, we were a $400 million company and we grew up to $2.5 billion wow. in about six years. And this uh, talk about Illinois, uh, Illinois company called R.R. Donnelly comes in and buys us. And they retained me. And I mean, it was really just a dream situation. And uh, again, the hard part was when you close facilities, there's always something in the back of your mind that thinks that could be you. Right. Mm-hmm. So we saw a yeah. lot of changes. Big corporation uh, took over. Because you were taking over smaller corporations saying, That's yeah, right. this isn't working. Yeah. You're going to have to go. And all of a sudden oh, yeah. you get taken over. Yeah, we're gobbling them up. We're consolidating facilities. And uh, Donnelly comes in and, you know, I, I go through some challenges there. You know, I had somebody show up and says, hey, man, you know, opportunity for you to be the general manager and this and that. And, you know, I, you know, you need a bid and I turn in something and um, they find out, oh, I thought you had a master's degree. And I was like, no, I don't have a master's degree. Well, you got to go back to school. Or you're not promotable. I was like, well, I'm not going back to school. My boss is like, oh, yeah, you are. I said, I'm going to fire you. So I ended up. <laughs> wow. That's yeah. to the point. Yeah. 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 Um, great guy. Um, this guy kind of became a mentor to me. A guy, John Burner. He's out in Fort Worth right now. Mm-hmm. And um, man, the company paid for me to go back to school. And I, you know, I learned a ton. Went to Rice Jones Business School over at Rice University. And. Uh, finished up there and you know things were going great things were going great it got to a point where we took you know had a performing teams very high performing high performance uh, generating about a hundred million dollars a year in revenue and I don't know what happened but my 40th birthday came and I'm looking out the window and I'm thinking is this what I really want to do for the rest of my life you know, I had that annual performance review and it was all five stars and my boss was like, hey, you're doing great. And he's like, you know, you're 40, I'm 45, the president's 50, unless one of us get hit by a bus, we're gonna be in these jobs getting 3% annual increases for the next 25 years. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, that's not what I wanna do. So on my 40th birthday, I walk into my boss's office and I give him, he says, hey man, I'm moving on. He's like, you, you got to be out of your mind. You're traveling, company car. Gives me chills, man. Yeah. Yeah. Gives me chills. And he's like, what's wrong? I says, nothing's wrong. I just, I, I, I can't do this forever. Did you have anything lined up at that point? Not a job. I'm in the, Damn, I'm in my, bold. I'm in my dream job. I got three kids now. Yeah. I'm in my dream. Steve talked me into buying this house I couldn't yeah. afford. <laughs> oh, no. Nicely done. Now there's some blame. Yeah, thanks, <laughs> I'll buy your house. You can go buy a big, big yeah. house. Yeah. So right. I got three kids and I, and, and I just like, I'm not unhappy, but I don't want to die this way. Yeah. Right. And he's like, so what are you going to do? I said, I don't have any clue. So I said, how much time do I have? I was like, well, you know, let's do three months. And we get to the end of three months. And he says, man, we need more time. And so I says, hey, we'll do three more months. And we get to the end of that and he's like, we need more time. And he's thinking, you're never leaving. So yeah. I says, I'll give you six months. But on my birthday, I'm done. So I started working on my 29th birthday. Basically on my uh, 40th birthday, I told him I was leaving. And we got to the end and he says, so what are you gonna do? And I says, I've been thinking about it. So I'm an ops guy. You know, I'm a simple operations guy. I started off building computers by hand. I'm a material handler. I can pack, mm-hmm. I can ship. Um, you know, I just ended up managing hundreds of people through being able to manage people. So 
I says, you know what? I'll get in the people business. So I'll start a staffing company. So at night, I'm building a plan. I'm trying to figure out how do I get my business started. You know, I meet a gentleman in Houston that's like, oh, well, you know, I, I can back you a little bit and help you get started. I got a big IT company. We use staffing. You know, give you an office. My boss comes in. He says, let me see your business plan. And I kind of show it to him. He's like, yeah, this is never going to work. <laughs> you need to go back to the don't drawing board. Don't quit your board. day job. Yeah, don't quit your yeah. day job. And while Oops. you're here, yeah. I got a project I <laughs> yeah. need you to go run in, in California. And um, he comes into my office and he says, you're going to be successful. But here's what we're going to do. You're going to start a staffing company. We got a ton of staffing companies working for us here at R. Donnelly. You're going to be one of my staffing companies. I said, well, I can. So now I have an enabling customer. And so the company I work for, R. Donnelly, has just been great to me. They're, they're one of my largest customers today. So we start off, they give me a contract, says, hey, you need to hire 28 people. And I'm out there by myself. I'm doing timesheets by hand. I'm making sure people get paid. I develop a relationship with a bank in Houston, BB&T, and meet a market president. And he, you know, he's like, all right, a few things you got to learn. And um, I get this company started, right? And then all of a sudden, I get a few people that are, you know, my the person that's handling the financials at the company that I went to sit at. She's like, I think I want to work for you. You got an opening? I said, got no money. You know, I can't pay you. We haven't made any money. So I go drain my 401k. You know, I rent a little office at I-10 in the Beltway for about 800 bucks a month. It might have been, may have been 800 square feet. And we all pile in. And um, before you know it, we're running a staffing company. And we're in Texas. And then my boss calls me up and says, man, I'm in a bind. And I need an ops guy. And I says, I'm running my own company. He says, I'll give you a staffing company, a staffing contract in Louisville, Kentucky. But I need you in the facility kind of helping me get things straight. That's a good trade-off. Yeah. So now instead of 28 people, I got about 100 people, you know, under this contract. And he calls me up and says, hey, we're opening a brand-new facility in Indianapolis. And I need I need an ops guy. I was like, man, I'm running my own company. Well, we'll give you a staffing contract out there. <laughs> so we add another 100 people, so we double. So we go from, you know, making about 20, 30 grand a month. Now we're doing a million dollars a month in staffing. Wow. You know, so that's pretty much how I got my start. Three years into it. I get a call from Donnelly since, hey, man, we, we got a supplier. We got a situation. You know, we have somebody that owes us $7 bucks, and, you know, we got to get him out of here. And, you know, there's some legal issues going on. And, you know, you used to run the distribution facilities. Why don't you buy this company? He says, I'd love to other than the fact I don't have any money. Oh, don't worry about money. You got a buck? So I got a buck. So I ended up buying a company called Summerline Industries in Fort Wayne, Indiana, uh, one of the largest distribution fulfillment facilities for FedEx, UPS, Macy's, Delta Airlines in the country, shipping operational print, buying and selling print. So now, you know, we ship, you know, about 500 to 1,000 orders a day out of that And you facility. bought the company for a dollar. Yeah, for a buck. Well, I got a bunch of debt, yeah, too. But yeah, 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 right, right. yeah. But yeah, no money. Do. Yeah, dollar, you know, ended up inheriting a $2 million, 40,000-square-foot facility uh, in Fort Wayne, ended up getting a parcel of land that was just tied to it. It was just just amazing, amazing yeah. situation. And, you know, get into that, and then I get a call saying, hey, man, you got anybody that can do local deliveries? I'm like, deliveries? Well, long story short, now I've got three <laughs> trucks. <laughs> so a little bit busy. We've got yeah. about 500 employees now yeah. across the United States. Again, Texas, Indiana, Kentucky, Wisconsin. Um, we've got account managers in Memphis and obviously here in Houston. Mm -hmm. We've got a centralized recruiting division, got an IT solutions division. 
Um, Richard Martinez, yep. another guy yep. that we know from you know fifteen. Did some real estate with Richard. Yeah, and so uh, he runs our IT solutions division. We're doing you know hardware, software procurement out there. So we're pretty busy, and um, you know it kind of brings me to where we are now, right? Like, what do you do next? Um, you know how you know how do we keep it all straight? And so this this idea yeah. of it's been a journey, right? It hadn't been easy. It's a fun story now, right. but there were a lot of challenges. And I get so many calls. People are like, well, how'd you do it? And you know, they they really yeah. want that pill, right? Like, yeah. take this yeah. pill and you lose. I want 40 the easy pounds. buttons. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, they want the easy buttons. I don't want to hear all the work. I just yeah, want to yeah, know yeah, what to yeah, do. Give yeah. me the one thing. What's that you the do? answer to the test? Yeah. You know, how do exactly. how do I make a million bucks? How do I? And so, um, you know, I think getting a couple of guys like us together, yeah. and we start to talk about, you know, how do, how do we what do we go through. Mm-hmm. I think we can keep some people from stepping into some potholes. Absolutely. Oh, I, 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 there's no end to the amount of cautionary tales <laughs> that, that yeah. I. But have. they still need to go through the boot camp. Sure. Oh, yeah. They got, yeah, you got You got You got to do the grind. Absolutely. I mean, you you got to do the grind. You got to pay your dues. Yeah. And and full full disclosure, James, this is his idea of the show. <laughs> oh yeah. 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 I, and I think it's a great idea. And I and I talked to you about it. And and I definitely think that this is something that will resonate with a lot of people. I think so too. I think because people sell the dream of starting mm. your business and doing that. Nobody tells you what do you do after day two when the doors are open. Right. You're going, hmm. Nobody's calling me. What do I do with that? And that's the, the silence, the concept <laughs> yeah. of the show yeah. that, that we really want to hit on. Um, man, I'm kind of. I don't think I should have gone last, man. I think I should have gone first. They would have <laughs> forgotten my story. You're the headliner, buddy. Yeah, uh, yeah. I don't know about that. Um, so, that, and that's a great story. And, and I've I've known James while he was going through that. I knew I met you when you were at Banta. Yes. You were at yeah. Banta. And so yeah. I've, I've kind of seen him go through this journey, which is, you know, very, very enlightening to see and, and awesome to see someone, you know, so deserving follow through with such success. And, and yeah. what are you doing now in revenue? Just out of- um, we're, we're, we're just, we're just uh, north of the 20 million. And so our goal for um, 2020 mm-hmm. is to um, do 22. Our, our goal is to do 22 million sales. Uh, we just actually signed a logistics contract. This came out of the blue. Uh, we had got approached by a larger logistics company that says, hey, we, we need somebody in this market uh, to help us do some loads. And we've got trucks. So it says, yeah, we'll, we'll assign a truck and a couple guys to it. And they call me up and it says, hey, when do you guys start this Bed Bath & Beyond contract? And I was like, well, I have no idea what you're talking about because we just signed a deal to handle the tile store. And he's like, oh, no, this guy needs you to handle Bed Bath & Beyond also. Oh, and Dick Sporting Goods. So now, you know, we're in a situation where starting tomorrow, we, wow. we've got a new book of business. Good so you, that's, that's going awesome. to that's gonna really help us to hit yeah. our goals. Yeah. Other than the fact, you know, now I'm out, had to go out and buy a new truck. And, <laughs> but, you know, that's yeah. a good hey, problem to have. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. exactly. But our goal for 20, you were going to try to get to 22 million this year of nice. profitable, that's awesome. profitable sales. Yeah. Um, well, my story is uh, completely different than your guys' stories, uh, which is the reason we have all of us sure. here, yeah. you know, all different things. And. Uh, you know, growing up uh, as a little kid, I wanted to be uh, nothing to do with business and nothing to do with real estate and nothing to do with being a speaker, actually. Uh, my goal growing up was to be an airline pilot. And, and that's all I ever wanted to do was fly airplanes. And, uh, you know, I studied that. I learned that. I did that my whole life and uh, was kind of a overachiever, hard, hard worker. And, uh, I got to the point that, uh, ended up getting my pilot's license and ended up, um, getting hired with an airline at 25 years old, which was 
the average age was 35, just to give you a reference point. So I was 25. Okay. So I, at the time, I worked for a commuter airline, and then I got hired with a, with a major airline uh, based out of here in Houston, uh, Continental Airlines at the time. And uh, I would have been the second youngest person to retire had, had we not merged or anything like that with Continental. Um, and I was actually living the life of my dreams. I, I mean, I really had the best job in the world. I had the most safe and the most secure job that one could ever imagine. I was living in Guam, flying all over the South Pacific, Australia, Asia, just you know, kayaking and, and scuba diving and, and just living that dream life. Um, August 2001, we moved to Houston. We got tired, they call it the rock. We were kind of on the rock for a couple, about three years. Said, all right, it's about time to go. We traveled all over Asia, moved to Houston. And I tell people, I had the safest and most secure job until September 10th. Mm -hmm. And on September 10th, I had that safe, secure job. And then September 11th happened, the, the travesty of 9-11. And I went from going having the safe, secure job to the most unsafe, unsecure job one could have. And I'll never forget, my day of reckoning was September 13th. And the reason that day sticks out in my mind is that's the day that I got served a furlough notice. And basically saying the safe, secure job that you thought you had is really not safe and secure at all. Yeah. It's actually the most unsafe, unsecure job you could have because what I learned is I'm so specialized to be a pilot, I really can't do anything else. I can fly an airplane, but I can't drive a commercial truck. I can't operate a, any kind of machinery. I am not skilled to be a teacher. I can't do this, I can't do that. So all of a sudden I'm thinking, wait a second, I'm safe and secure, but they're saying, no, you're really not. You're really just, essentially, you, you are a vital piece of the operation, but push come to shove, we're gonna protect the, shock, the stockholders and the shareholders, mm -hmm. and we're gonna do what we have to do to protect the company and the liquidity of the company. And if that means abrogating contracts, if that means wiping out your pensions, if that means anything, that's what we're gonna do. And we're not even gonna think twice about it, is, is, was the lesson sure. that I learned. And so I realized that, you know, wow, like all of a sudden I need to really think, rethink my life and what I'm gonna do because now it's, it, you know, it's a very vulnerable situation when you go from, you know, when you're in an industry where things are changing, like you said, compact and you were talking about EMI, where mm -hmm. you know things are happening and you're waiting, you're, it's happening and you can start preparing. Mine was three days. It was like ripping off a Band-Aid to going, I've got the best job in the world to going, what am I going to do? Like what, you know, I'm on a list. I, I have no idea what that means. I don't know if I'm, you know, we didn't even know if the airline business was going to be the same anymore. And, you know, I don't know if you recall, but during that time they had the SARS, um, bird and flu mm -hmm. and, or whatever it was. Yeah. The hoof foot, the oil prices were going through the roof. I mean, it was like the locusts were going to come pick up the planes mm -hmm. next and take us away. <laughs> I mean, that's, and you know, luckily I never got furloughed. I came within 30 from the bottom. Of, of getting furloughed. And what it made me realize now at that time, when you're, when you're so junior in, in a company with that's unionized, um, you're basically going where they tell you to go because you've got no seniority. So I went to Cleveland, I flew out of there. I went to Newark, I flew out of there and just, just getting ping ponged around. And it's hard to complain when you have a job and a couple exactly. thousand guys below you don't. Mm -hmm. I'm not complaining. I'm like, you know what? At least I have a job, I'm not mm -hmm. complaining. But what I realized was I need to have something else. I cannot rely on the airline because I don't know what's gonna happen. And so that's when I really started looking at 
what do people do to get wealthy? Like where, where is that built? I don't understand it because I had spent the first 25 years of my life only learning and studying airplanes. Didn't know anything else. And as I started reading, and of course they didn't have the online back in 2001 that right. much, so I was going to the library. I got a library card, I was going to the library, I was checking out books, I was just learning everything I could. And it seemed like everything was tied to real estate. At some point, people were wealthy because of real estate at some point in their life or a prior generation life, and it was you know, passed down, but th that was the tie that I noticed. And I thought, okay, well, I know a lot of pilots that own rentals and do real estate, so maybe that's the connection because I can still fly mm -hmm. and I can do that kind of on the side, you know, part-time, passive, whatever you wanna call it. So I started really kind of going, okay, that's my path. And what was interesting is, is as I started learning about real estate, it was almost like I, I pushed through a looking glass because all of a sudden I'm learning these new acronyms, cash on cash return, ROI, all these terms that I had never heard of before. And you know, at the time I was, I think 29, I'm gonna say, um, and I felt like I was behind the curve. Right, I'm a very competitive person, as you know. Mm -hmm. um, I felt like I was, I was losing a race because all of a sudden I had no idea what these things were and I'm talking to these other people, I'm going to these uh, investor events and meetings and everyone knows what's going on and they know what they're doing and I'm thinking, I don't know any of these things. Like I'm so far behind, I've got to speed up. So I started reading a book a week. Every week I read a book. I mean, I was, I was just tearing into everything I could learn, just consuming it. So I started doing some real estate. Um, ended up uh, doing very well at uh, flipping properties, which is when I met James, wholesaling properties. Uh, did so well that got enough money, bought an apartment complex. Um, and one of the persons that we partnered with, there was four of us total. Uh, we ended up, he and I ended up becoming partners, business partners after we sold the apartment complex. So we sold the complex, did very well um, financially. And so we had some extra cash. We said, okay, what do we wanna do with this? And we thought, well, let's buy some houses. Let's do it together and let's see if we get along and let's see how it goes. So we started buying some houses and, and we made a lot of tactical errors, uh, which we can talk about in another, I won't go into it this time, but we made a lot of errors, made a lot of mistakes buying the wrong properties. And I had been doing real estate for probably six, seven years by then. I owned an apartment complex and I was still making the mistakes. So there's a, there's a lesson in there to careful, don't think you're the smartest kid on the block because right. mm -hmm. life has a way of teaching you that you're not. And so we, we had, uh, my business partner, uh, Pete Newbig and I, we had about, I'm gonna say about 35 houses um, and they were just kicking our butts. And I mean, they were, they were draining us financially, they were draining us mentally. I mean, they were just, they were killing us. And so finally we ended up basically buying horrible houses. That's the first thing we did is we stopped the problem, <laughs> stopped the bleeding. And uh, we started running it like a business and we started managing them like a management company would for self-preservation. And we got very good at it because we knew what to do, we just weren't doing it. We weren't running it like a yeah. business. We were running it off of emotions. We were too close to it. And so we kind of said, okay, these are the rules of the, these are the rules of engagement. This is how we're doing it. This is how we're gonna operate it. And if this happens, that happens. There's no, we're not gonna discuss it. It's this or it's that and it's operational. And so we started running it and what happened was is we had other investors approach us after we stabilized our properties and they were like, hey, could you manage our properties? And at first we're like, no effing way. I do not want your problems. We just fixed ours. The last thing I want is to take on other people's problems. Well, what we ended up doing was is we ended up going to a business coach and said, do we have a business here? Because we're not really sure what we're doing. And he agreed, yes, you don't know what you're doing. And yes, you have a business, but if you don't run it correctly, 
not only will you go out of business, but you'll take everyone else with you. And so he was a very good salesperson because he closed us right there on the spot and we hired him. Didn't have enough money to, but we knew we, we couldn't afford him, but we couldn't afford not to have him. Exactly. Right. We had no choice and we were committed. And, and our decision was, is if we hire him, we're gonna do everything he says without fail. We're not gonna question it. If he says it, we're gonna do it and we're gonna run full steam into the fire and we're just gonna deal with it. If that's what he says to do. So I'll kind of go on this journey here. So we, we had him for the full six years that we owned the company. We owned the company um, almost, we had about six and a half years and we grew the company to a very large uh, scale company for management size. We managed about a thousand properties uh, in Houston. Then we expanded to Dallas and then to Fort Worth. And we did that because we learned how to run a business. We weren't, you know, I, I used to tell people, I'm not a property manager. I own a business that manages properties. There's a difference. Mm -hmm. And so we looked at everything from the numbers to the client acquisition cost to the marketing cost. And I had to learn again, I had to learn all this new terminology, all these things and, and do things that I didn't feel comfortable doing, but that was our agreement. We ended up doing very well with the business and we had recently, within the last six months, we actually sold our company. Um, so we went through a, a mergers and acquisition. We sold the company um, to a company called Mind, uh, M-Y-N-D, Property Management. And they brought me on as their vice president of investor education. So what does that mean? Kind of like what I'm doing right now. I go off and I speak to investors um, on an educational level about how to become better at being an investor, how to run a business, how to understand what they're doing wrong that, you know, it's, it's, it's very simple formulas, but it's, it's, it's easier said than done. Mm -hmm. and, and I've yeah. walked the walk, James knows. I mean, I, I, I bleed the red, I, I do it. You know, I still own real estate. I'm still involved in, in different, I'm doing different types of acquisitions now. I'm doing a little bigger acquisitions and other things, which we could talk about. Um, but again, I've learned how to start a business from scratch, just like James did take it all the way up, bring on a partner. We, we brought on a, a business partner as well during this transition, selling it, which is a whole other world, uh, and then merging with a new company. And, they, and they've been great. They've, they've, everything they've said they've done, it's been awesome. Um, they allowed me to, to, you know, to, to do this podcast with sure. you and, and expand um, and really do what I love doing, which is helping people, educate people. And, and you know, again, just, I know we're gonna kind of wrap. I know we're, we went a little bit over, but, you know, I, I think that my opinion, I'm curious what you guys think is, I think what we're gonna bring to the table for people is we're gonna show them, not necessarily the path, but we're gonna give them the outlying path of how to get there. We're not gonna tell anyone how to do it, right? Because everyone's right. business is different. Right. Mm -hmm. But I think what we're gonna do is all of us have understood what it's like to open your front doors on day one and wonder why aren't they calling? Right. Why aren't they coming? Right. What's going on? what's my runway as far as how much time I have? You know, how much money do I have left? You know, what am I ignoring that I shouldn't be ignoring because I'm just gonna hope and pray that this works out as opposed to taking action. And all of us have probably been on multiple sides of that, oh, absolutely. right? absolutely, sure. Um, and so I, I, I think this show is gonna be very helpful. And, and I think all of us are here for a passion to help people, you know, and kind of pay it forward because, you know, we had our business coach and he helped us. And, and I always thought, man, if I was ever in a position to help people, that's what I want to do. I want to help people avoid the mistakes and the pitfalls um, that I made. I'm curious why you guys want to do the show. Well, I, you know, I think about very similar to what you said, some of the challenges that I've been through, right? And, you know, we'll have to have uh, Colleen in on the show. Yes, yeah. Uh, Colleen's my CFO, CPA, and, uh, you know, I've learned a ton from her. But we have literally been in situations where our business is booming. 
right? And we do a million and a half dollars in sales in a month. And that's usually pretty exciting, right? And we don't have any cash. Why? It's like, how does that happen? Yeah, how does that happen, yeah. right? How, do, how can we have a million? Yeah. Because we, first of all, we just paid 300 employees. And we've got net 60 payment terms. And rent's due now. Lights are due now. Internet's mm -hmm. due now. Truck payments are due now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and yeah. people are like, well, you, you must be really mismanaging your money. What I want to do is, I think people see us now, right? You know, guys that are doing well in their business, you know, we've experienced some mm -hmm. successes, but they don't really understand what's happening behind the covers. And this is what they want to see. Yes. Oh, if he's yeah. doing it, I can do it. Yeah. yeah. Well, absolutely you can, but I kind of want to show the ugly. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. We, we yeah. may encourage some people to keep their day jobs, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and, you know, but yeah. think of how many lives and, and sleepless nights, I say, how many sleepless oh, nights yeah. will we help people not have because... They go, you know what? I thought that I could do it better than my boss. Right. And that's why I was gonna quit because he doesn't know or she doesn't know what they're doing. And all of a sudden they can go, you know what? Maybe there's a reason they do what they do. Absolutely. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So so that's kind of my thing. I, I really, you know, pay it forward. I yeah. like I like I like how you put that. I think we can help some people. You know, but what I don't want it to do is this is rosy guys and you guys are gonna go make a yeah. there's yeah. no lot we didn't you know, I didn't get a winning lottery ticket yeah. and then all of a sudden everything was easy. Yeah. yeah. So well, exactly. for me, I, I think what I've learned over the last, you know, stretch of years is that past successes absolutely will not benefit you at all. That's right. Absolutely. Moving forward. That's right. I, I remember you know, years ago I was I was sitting in a, a hotel lobby waiting for a car to come pick us up for an early flight and I was with my boss and you know the record business is, is very unique and he said something to me he said you know the crazy thing about what it is you do. And he was talking this is my boss and he's talking to me like he doesn't do this. He said the crazy thing about what you do. He said there is nothing you could have done in life prior to prepare you for it. Yeah, that's right. He goes, and here's the thing though, nothing you're doing now will benefit you in any other line of work that you ever wow. find yourself in. Because it was so specialized. Yeah. Wow. And that, that hit me really, really hard. And for me, you know, what I have found here of late, um, man, there's a lot of, op of, of opportunity to just say the hell with it. And yeah, walk. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, there's a certain audacity required to say, you know what? No, I, I, I am going to see this through. Um, sometimes you feel like you're just chewing on the curb yeah. while you're doing it. But um, for me, that was that was the thing because I can't. I mean, at the end of the day, I sold you know Nora Jones. How difficult was that? Right. You know, Beatles albums. Go find your client. Really, you don't want to have you want to have a record store and you don't want to have Beatles albums in yeah. it. Right. It wasn't a very difficult thing. What was difficult was when you had that new artist that nobody had ever heard of. That that's where the work came and mm -hmm. that's where the sales came. But in that industry, you could leverage your Lenny Kravitz. You could le leverage your Rolling Stones. You could leverage it. But when you when you start something new, you have nothing to leverage. Yeah. Yeah. All that's gone. Um, and I think that's probably in part why I decided to ingrain myself into so many different areas of, of the community because we had discussed this before before we had gone on they don't really do business with your business right they yeah. don't really follow you they follow you exactly they don't follow a brand they don't follow the brand they follow you yep and there's a lot of working on yourself sure that's that's involved right. and you 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 know what what do I need to do to make myself somebody worth 
following yeah, or right. somebody right. worth doing Interest, you know right why, why yeah why would they follow you exactly and so that's uh that's kind of what i i i wanted to bring to to this thing and 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 that's the reason why i wanted to do it and when you ran the idea by me uh before i i mean immediately i thought oh man that is such a good idea yeah, yeah. absolutely so i'm excited to do yeah. it uh, i'm excited to, to uh, kind of go on this journey with you two guys I think so if uh if, can you tell the listeners how they can Listen. Yeah, there's a whole bundle of ways that you can you can get this content. I mean, you know, iHeart, uh, iTunes, Google, Spotify, Spreaker, everything. What I I do say is probably the easiest, and I'm gonna you know go ahead and honk my own horn here because I did build a really nice app <laughs> for this thing. Uh, the easiest way, if you just want to just touch your phone a couple of times and find it, is to just download the Clear Lake Today app. Okay. Um, not only do you get to listen to the radio station, you can find all the other info, but the, all of the podcasts that we do are right there. The most recent ones are right on the homepage. So as the new, you just touch it and it's playing, or you go to on on demand and you find it there. Uh, because it's not only this cool, you know, content. We've got a lot of different, got a lot of stuff, yeah. got a lot yeah. of different content on there that uh, that I think it's a really good. That, you know, that's when I, when I decided to do a podcast a while back. I was like, God, I don't want to just do this by myself right. and throw my pebble into the ocean. Sure. But if you create a little network mm-hmm. where there's all kinds of stuff that'll appeal. Everybody kind of rides on everybody yeah. else's coattails. So that's kind of what we did. Cool. That's cool. Well, I'm going to, uh, we'll finish this. I'm going to ask you guys and we'll see if you know it off the top of your head. <laughs> uh, cause I think this will be a good next episode that we discuss. If they want to find you on social media, how do they do that? I'm going to let you go last. Cause I know you're going to have to <laughs> think that through as the operator. Well, uh, you, you would clear like today or you would just find Doug Meisinger. On what channels? I am on Facebook. I am on Instagram. I am on Twitter. I'm on LinkedIn. Okay, there you go. Um, and if people want to follow me and find me on Instagram, it's Rosenberg Steve, which is R O Z E N B E R G, uh, Steve S T V, or Steven Rosenberg on Facebook. Um, or you can Google me, and I've got a few, I've got a few videos and a few speaking yeah, events that do. I do. One a couple of things. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You do. And, and Mr. Morris, how do they find you? Well, sir? Um, <laughs> the first place I'd point you is uh, check out our website, yeah. uh, www.tmcworkforce.com. It'll open up to all of the TMC companies, and so it okay. gives you a, a nice look in. We're on Instagram. Mm-hmm. I'll figure out how to get there. <laughs> uh, and also on LinkedIn, if you just look up uh, James W. Morris on LinkedIn, it'll give you just some information about me and, um, and our company. Yeah, great. All right. Well, gentlemen, until next time, everyone, thanks for listening and watching after the startup. This is going to be a great show. I think we're going to really dig in, and then we start bringing some guests in. It's going to get a little down and dirty. So until next time, we'll see you. Awesome. Thanks.